It is a mock draft Monday, and today we have three more potential Chargers first-round picks to talk about, including a shutdown corner potentially with Trent McDuffie, an exciting receiver with Chris Alave, and a potential game-wrecking defensive lineman with Texas A&M's DeMarvin Leal, all on today's Locked On Chargers podcast. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, back here on a mock draft Monday, talking about more Chargers potential first round picks, but before that, we have been covering the Chargers for over six seasons, and we're going into our fifth season as a host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day where you can always find us on our new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe there and follow the show for free wherever you get your podcast from. But David, a lot to get into today, Mock Draft Monday, and we have a very exciting prospect to start things with. I wasn't sure if we were going with Trent McDuffie or Chris Olave, but like I said last week, it feels like there's 15 dudes the Chargers could take here. Not a lot of consensus in this upcoming draft class, and maybe that gets a little clearer. But Trent McDuffie's a very exciting prospect. Chris Olave, a wide receiver. I know not the biggest need, but we talked about Mike Williams, right? And potentially him leaving, right? So maybe they do feel like they need to take a wide receiver more. We'll get into him and a defensive lineman into Marvin Leal. And we know that the Chargers need some help on that defensive front, adding talent around Joey Bosa. But today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. All right, David. Well, Trent McDuffie, we know the Chargers need help at cornerback right now. I think the leader for us in the clubhouse of guys that we've watched that could get to the Chargers at 17. You know, we liked Andrew Booth a lot, right? Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. Yeah. Trent McDuffie is another guy who's really, really hard not to like. It's somebody that, you know, we were asked to talk about today. A couple people brought him up to us as a potential Charger in the first round. And I think that the stock on this guy is very high right now. It is another you know, cornerback class where you're not sure if there's a you know one guy that stands out above the rest or one guy that's clearly going to go in the top 10. Trent McDuffie's in there with that top edge talent in this draft class. And I understand why a lot of people would be good with him going 17 to the Chargers. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you when you flip on the tape and you watch him, man, like, I mean, first thing that stands out is they just don't throw the ball his way very often. Yeah. And it's because this dude's a lockdown type of corner. He's a guy who's very, very sticky. Um, as far as a draft prospect, like he's one of the guys, I think of all of the guys that I've watched, I mean, he's probably one of the guys I've liked the most. He's one of the cleanest prospects, right? Like you look at it and outside of like size and things like that, there's not a lot you can knock on him just because right. like you don't see him give up a ton of receptions. I think PFF had him giving up 16 catches for like 111 yards this last season. The one thing is he the doesn't have season? the ball. Yeah, exactly. Like. He just doesn't get targeted a lot. I mean, he was a lot in the bail technique, right? A lot of cover right. three, cover four, where he's just dropping, being the deep guy. But, like, you also didn't see him get beat. Like, he's also a very physical corner and does not mind coming up and making a tackle. That is something that you love, a guy that's going to chase down backs in the running game, a guy that doesn't mind being up near the line of scrimmage. That's something that Chargers fans have wanted for a long time. We know how atrocious the tackling has been. But, like, his mirroring ability and his short area quickness, I think, for me – is what really kind of separates him because like he's just his footwork is so good when things get tight when receivers get close to him like you just don't see dude shaking him like he's always there like he's always going to stick on you he's always going to be close he's going to be able to contest the catch and I think that's just something when you're looking for those kind of elite traits like he's a 
shorter guy for sure, David. But when you see that short area quickness, when you know how good the receivers in the NFL are, that's a really, you know, exciting commodity in this year's cornerback class, especially for someone that you're not seeing get beat deep and doesn't have a lack of deep speed kind of thing. And there's just not a lot of knocks on his game. Plus, he brings you some elite characteristics. Yeah, I want to know why he doesn't get beat deep. Because he was a former track star, Daniel. <laughs> he ran in the 100. He ran, like I think it was a 10.60, which is ridiculous. Yeah. That's why you don't see this dude get beat because this guy used to run for fun, okay? Now, we're two bigger guys. Obviously, we don't like who to run for fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, who does that? You know, want to know who nah. does that? Trent McDuffie does that. Sickos. That's why this dude is crazy, crazy fast. Very physical with the ball in the air. Sticks to receivers really, really well. I think he it really has that good flip his hips to that, that fluidity that you're looking for. Um, showcase some very good effort in the chase down as well. I think we talked about a play against uh, w- w- um, one of the games we were watching on YouTube. It was the where Michigan literally, game. Yeah, the Michigan, Michigan game. You literally see him start on one side of the formation and track all the way to the other side of the formation, get a tackle for loss. Like that's that type of chase down, like just pure effort that you love on any kind of defensive player, especially out of a corner. And in a defense where the Chargers play, where they ask a lot out of their corners. Well, and what's one thing that Brandon Staley talked about at the end of the season in regards to Michael Davis, right? All the techniques and different things you have to be able to do in the Chargers defense to be really successful. And that's one place where this guy excels. Like, he has the technique. His footwork is there. His brakes are there. He comes up aggressively on balls and, you know, plays in front of him and makes really nice tackles in the open field when he has to. Like, there's just not a lot of knocks on him. He is, he doesn't have long arms, right? He's not that kind of guy. But, like, that hurts Michael Davis in some ways, right? Because yeah. he is so big and long that he's not as quick in his change of direction and things like that. That guy brings this to the table. He can play in the slot, right? And you feel good about him going up and tackling. You feel good about his athleticism. He'd still bring a jolt to your defense athleticism-wise. I think that one big, I mean, if you're looking for knocks on him, because I really do think he's a pretty clean prospect. I mean, the lack of ball production is obviously yes. one thing that scares Definitely. you a little bit, especially when you have, you know, guys like Andrew Booth Jr. making like one-handed, crazy backhanded, you know, interceptions. Yeah. Doesn't have a lot of length like a Michael Davis, right? But it doesn't really hurt him. His vertical is ridiculous. He's always getting up the ladder. And then he obviously sometimes gets caught up with wide receivers when they're blocking him. But we uh, Like we said, you really just want the want to there. I mean, he is a clean yeah. tackler. He's a less reckless tackler than Andrew Booth Jr., even though both guys are willing to stick their nose in the fire and seem to enjoy it, which is something you like out of those sicko cornerbacks. You don't see those guys a lot. Sunday Samba Jr. is another guy. You know, never minded coming up until the concussions last year. It maybe backed him off a little bit, but, like, that's who that dude was coming out as well. So I'm not – are you worried about the size or anything, David? Because that's really the only kind of knocks him. The length, the size maybe getting caught up a little bit and then just the ball production. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm, I'm really concerned about it because he showed in his tape that he can use his other physical gifts to defeat that. And sure. to where it's, it's not necessarily the biggest, I mean, he's not Jason Verrett. Okay. He's not that small. You know, like five a, 11, yeah. about 200 pounds. Right. And then they, they said Jason Verrett was five ten. Let's, Let's get real here. He's nah. more like five eight, five nine. Yeah, um, to, he's probably to like be five, more. Nine, yeah, yeah, to be more specific. But um, I think the one thing I saw was just that you know, and again, I'm splitting hairs here. I mean, I wish he would take a little bit better angles to the football, uh, to the ball carrier um, when he's out in space. Um, and yeah, the ball production. You know, only two interceptions in the three years that he played in college. That that definitely is a bit concerning. Um, but he was always in the air. He was in the area, and he did have some decent ball skills when he had opportunities 
to yeah. get his hands on the football. So that's tough when thing. you're only targeted like 30 times for a whole season. You're probably not going to be able to come down with a lot of interceptions. Yeah, right. Lonely, yeah. right? Super yeah. lonely over there on, on Lonely Island there. But, I mean, that's what happens when you're a you know top corner and at any level. I mean, you're going to get that Revis Island treatment where they just don't throw the ball at you. And that's one thing that he brings to the table. So as far as an overall draft prospect – at 17, Daniel, I think this is one of the few players that we've watched so far that I feel like if he's available there, this is a guy who can make the Chargers defense a, a better defense. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple of things, right? I mean, I wish you would have seen him play some more man-to-man coverage, but Brandon yeah. Staley's defense plays plenty of zone, right? And you sure. can definitely work around that. And he also has the traits that make you feel good about him playing in man coverage, more importantly, even though you didn't see it very much. And I do think that this is a guy that at this point, given the guys that we've seen, I mean, there's obviously maybe some guys we'd like better there, but as far as an endorsement and as far as understanding why you would pick them there, I mean, I would understand it for sure. He's just such a clean prospect. This guy's not going to surprise me at all if he's in the middle of the first round getting selected or even before the Chargers get to pick. But one hugely polarizing position for the Chargers to draft, especially in the first round, is wide receiver. But we talked about last week, what happens if Mike Williams isn't here, right? What happens if he does get, you know, outbid by another team if the Chargers do and he can't come back? Well, now receiver at 17 makes a lot more sense. And Chris Olave is definitely a very exciting receiver to talk about. And one of the things that's so nice about Chris Olave is just how smooth he is. Like he's just probably the smoothest receiving prospect I've seen in a while, but not quite as smooth as Bill Bars. And that's one of the things I really, really love about Bill Bars is just how smooth of a flavor it is. You don't want to get that chalky, waxy taste when you're eating something. Something's going to stick with you in a bad way. With Bill Bars, you're getting the best flavors, the best taste, while also getting something that's going to fit on your diet. I mean, one of the things that's very much helped me stick to my New Year's resolutions this year is having that thing that feels like a cheat meal. And for me, that's what Bill Bars are. I mean, it's that thing I can eat. You know, give me a cookies and cream. Give me a peanut butter brownie, salted caramel. I mean, when you're eating stuff that has those flavors, it's not usually fitting on your diet, but with Built Bar, you can get all those great flavors while getting bars that mostly have 17 grams of protein while less than 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. So if you guys need to break up the monotony of the boring protein bars, check out Built Bars because you're going to find a flavor that you like and you're going to save some money since you listen to this podcast. If you go to Built.com, you can use promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, David, time to move on to our next prospect here. It's time to talk about Chris Olave, which when you're talking about what we've looked for in a receiver, right, and whether or not to take a receiver, like that's the biggest thing is like if Mike Williams leaves in free agency, which we'll know by the time the Chargers get to pick at 17, you know, we'll know exactly what the state of that wide receiver position is and what that wide receiver room looks like. Yep. And then you're looking at a really exciting class of wide receivers. And like I said before, I mean, you're talking about Bill Bars, you're talking about Chris Olave, you're talking about smooth. And that's, I think, why it's exciting when you watch this guy. Just like that transition, Daniel, man. I, I don't know who who is the smooth operator here. Is it Daniel Wade or is it Chris Olave? I am not quite that, that sure. That one was one of my better ones but, for sure. Oh, man, that one was silky smooth. <laughs> I couldn't even – I was like, wow, that one was awesome. When I surprised yeah. David with that ad read, that's when I know it's a good one. Definitely. I mean, all <laughs> kinds of production. When you look at Chris Olave here, he's a guy who has played four years – um, in, in college, which you don't really see that a lot. Yeah, returned lately, for know? his last year. I don't see yeah, that. Especially because he probably would have been a borderline first-round pick last year. Yeah, uh, 38 games mm-hmm. in four seasons, 2,702 yards receiving, 
15.4 yards per catch and 35 touchdowns, including two seasons of 10-plus touchdowns, 12 in 19 and 13 in 2021. So this is a guy who scores a lot. He, he has a big-time production. Um, he's a, a, definitely a guy who's going to help you. And I think the, the thing that sticks out to most to me is just this guy's got Real speed, I and mean, it shows up on, on tape right away for, for me, Daniel. And as far as a wide receiver prospect, I mean, you're looking for somebody who has elite traits or at least an elite trait that you can work with, a guy who can stretch the field. Chris Olave can definitely stretch the field. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, it's not – what you think of when you think of Chris Olave, at least as far as what you know about Chris Olave, because I think the first thing is the route running, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe the best route runner in college football. His routes are so smooth. He is such an easy separator that it's easy yeah. to see why he was so targeted, but also brings that big play threat ability. I mean, 13 of his 65 catches turning into touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty good touchdown percentage right there. And he also brings you a little bit after the catch as well, so he definitely checks some boxes off for the Chargers. Where, when I was thinking about Chris Olave, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, another route runner. Yeah, I mean, Keenan Allen is kind of that guy, maybe a, a similar skill set. But I think the thing that really stood out to me, David, especially because he's not thought of as just a burner, right? That's not what his game normally is. But when he builds up to that speed, when he gets to that third level, he separates. He finds separation, oh, yeah. and he's making like wide open touchdown catches, even though. You know, it might take him a second to get there. He still is getting out of his breaks clean. He's not a super physical receiver. That's not his game. But when you're just running past everyone and nobody can get a hand on you, it's not as big of a problem. This is a very, I mean, and, and like he may not even be the best receiver on his team. Like we still have to watch Garrett Wilson, who stood out when I was watching Chris Olave, right? So yeah, loaded wide receivers over there at Ohio State. This is a guy that's pretty exciting, but I do think that is the, maybe one of the more underrated strengths that he has is like, he just glides with the like long strides and like stacks defenders so easily that even though he's, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what he runs at the combine as far as a 40 time, because like he definitely is getting separation deep and you could definitely see Justin Herbert putting air under a couple balls and letting him go run underneath it. Oh, definitely. I mean, this guy, his release is ridiculous. It seems like it's sudden, like, it's like he shot out of a cannon when the ball is snapped. Like I saw him run by so many defenders. And of course that has something to do with, with what type of coverage that those defenders are playing and all that. And you have to respect his ability to get up to top speed. But I saw that repeatedly on, on pretty much every single game that I watched of him is he is blowing past guys. Also, I feel like he has a very, very good knack for finding the soft spot in the zones and really presenting a good target to his quarterback. Um, also, he continues to work for his QB as well. He's very, very good in those scramble drill situations to where you just need your receiver to keep working for you and to get open and to be an available option. I think Chris Olave does that better than most receivers that I, I watched. And he does have some yak ability, but it's not in your break tackles and be physical type. It's the, you know, hey, I'm going to get up to that third gear, like Daniel said, and I'm going to be gone because there's no one that's going to be able to catch me. Once, I, once this guy gets up to top speed, he is one of the fastest dudes that you're going to watch on tape. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, him and Straylon Burks are so, you know, different because, like, sure. one is just, you know, Burks is just such a physical prospect and he'll just sure. break tackles and, like, also has deceiving speed and has, you know, separated from defensive backs. But with Chris Alave, like, if you throw it to him in stride over the middle of the field, like, he's just going to break so many angles. Like, he's not going to juke a bunch of guys or anything like that. But if you give him that runway, you give it to him in stride, 
it's going to be really hard to tackle him, really hard to get a hand on him just because he is so smooth when he does get the ball, especially if he's in space. That is an underrated part is just because he's not necessarily the guy that, you know, is just a, a Debo Samuel type, right? Yeah. Not that kind of player. But if you can get him in space, he's going to run away from dudes, which is uh, <laughs> he did a lot of at yes. Ohio State. But I, I think that the couple of knocks with him, David, I think is just he's not the he's like the anti Mike Williams. He's not the 50 yeah. 50 ball guy. You didn't. Right. I mean, it's hard to say he's not making a lot of – I mean, he didn't make a lot of contested catches. I mean, that's something I, I wish I would have seen more opportunities for maybe. But he doesn't have, a, you know, super long arms. He doesn't have the physical profile. He's not winning 50-50 balls. And he doesn't really need to. That's not really his right. game. But I think if you're looking at, you know, what you would knock as part of that, not a super physical receiver, not – but, like, obviously he still has a ton of touchdowns. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, just he's a guy who, I mean, on the negative side, you, he could definitely be a better blocker. I, I think I've seen yeah. some <laughs> yeah. some situations to where, you know, maybe he could, you know, use some more effort or use a better technique. He doesn't I mean, sustain blocks a long yeah, time. It's yeah, not he's like not he the, totally avoids them, but like right. a lot of, I've, I saw a lot of plays where the dude he was supposed to block ends up making a tackle, which is not what yeah. he wants to Right, not 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 ideal for sure. Uh, and also, like you mentioned, I'll echo the fact that he's just not great in those contested catch situations because he lacks that physicality and also because he lacks that physicality and that strength. Um, he's not a player that you really want to throw the ball to in traffic. This isn't a guy who's going to be able to really, you know, survive or thrive over the middle of the football field in those situations where you have, you know, linebackers or safeties that can really lay a, a smack on him. That's not what you're wanting to do with him. You want to get him in those open situations, get him in those slants, those those crossing routes, get, you know, even the comeback route. I saw him run some very good comeback routes as well. He's good at those type of things um, cause, because he's really good at getting separation. But you need to use this guy um, the right way and understand what type of receiver he is and build some plays around him. This is a guy who, if you get the ball in his hands in the right situations, he's going to make you a lot of money on the offensive side. Yeah, and I think for him, it, it's just the only tough thing about it is, like, you would think, like, his role would probably be somewhat similar to Keenan Allen's as far as if you need, like, option routes and really good, uh, you know, route running and short routes and getting separation quickly. Like, that is kind of the role he feels. He obviously, you know, still can be that deep ball threat as well, but you don't see him being that prototypical, you know, X receiver they made Mike Williams this year where it's just like they're going to oh, target yeah. him in those one-on-one -on -one situations and go to him like that. It just wouldn't be the same at all. So even if Mike Williams left, he's not the guy that would replace him in that sense. He's just not that kind of receiver. But there's definitely a lot to like, and I'm excited to watch his teammate Garrett Wilson. I'm also excited to watch Drake London from USC. So when we get into our wide receiver rankings, we'll definitely be getting into that as well when we're going through those positions. And we'll be getting into day two picks as well. But I think the one thing is, David, here is just like, I would bet – at this point, that Chris Olave is gonna be a good receiver, right? Like, oh, I, yeah. it just when you look at him, it's like I, I just I'm not gonna doubt that dude. If I I'm placing a bet, I would definitely bet on Chris Olave to be a good receiver. I don't know if it'll be with the Chargers at 17, but the only place that I do place my bets is at BetOnline.net because football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player perp for for but I had to mess up. I had the smooth transition. Player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. There's still a ton of great stuff to bet on, guys. Just because football is over, you have March Madness coming up. You have giant UFC fights coming up. Masvidal versus Colby Covington. That's going to be a huge fight. And there's just so many good things, especially with sports you don't like as much 
right? I know that football is over, but when you don't like sports as much and you have some action on it, you're going to like those sports a lot more. But it's not just basketball. It's not just football. It's UFC. It's boxing. It's hockey. Even your favorite Vegas casino games you can find at betonline.net. And head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, David, well, now it's time to get into our final prospect here. A prospect that if you're just talking about what the Chargers need the most right now and what position they need the most right now, it would make a lot of sense with Texas A&M's DeMarvin Leal. I was really excited to watch this guy because it seems like this guy's draft draft process has kind of been a little bit weird as far as where he's projected because going into the season, it seemed like there was no way he was going to be a guy that fell to 17 to the Chargers. And he had eight and a half sacks and cleared by far all, you know, his total career numbers all combined this season and just had a breakout year. And he played a lot of different positions. I mean, you're talking about position versatility, played some defensive end, played some defensive tackle, played some nose tackle for Texas A&M. And I get it. Played all over the line. Yeah, and he's he's a very, very good athlete right off the bat, especially for a dude his size. He moves very well. He's super quick. There's a lot to like here. If the Chargers are going to pick him at 17, I I think there's going to be someone better there I like. I'm not going to put all my chips in this basket right now, but I can understand what the tools are that would get people excited enough to say, hey, get that guy, bring him in, develop him. He can be a Pro Bowl type of player. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, the one thing that that you said to me that stuck out more than anything else was develop him. And, I mean, with the first-round pick here at 17, I don't know how much developing that you're really wanting to have to put into – a player that you're picking that high overall. And for DeMarvin Leal, I think that you're absolutely right. There's some traits there that you really like, and you love the versatility and stuff. But I think at 17, at least for the Chargers, he's one of the prospect of the three that we watched today that I would feel the most uncomfortable with the Chargers taking with the 17th overall pick. And I think that's fair, because I think the one thing that you would like to see more of from him is more consistency because what you do see yeah. when you watch him, I mean, even in the Alabama game, I think that showed you a little bit of why you would want him and why you wouldn't want him as far yeah. as him at 17 for the Chargers because there's some quickness. I mean, there's one play where he makes two dudes miss and gets a tackle on the running back in the hole for no gain. And you're just like, oh my God, like just swim moving guys and just nobody could get a hand on him. And then there's also times where he gets double teamed and in blown five, six yards off the line of scrimmage, you know, and that's not necessarily his game either. I think the other thing that made it tough was how much he moved around because how many of those sacks were at edge as opposed to defensive tackle because for the Chargers, I don't know if he fits as a defensive end, as a you know outside linebacker, edge rusher, as the Chargers would call it. I don't know if that's we, we've seen fits. that movie with Jerry Tillery on, out on the edge, and I mean he flashed a couple of times, but it's just not the type of player profile that you need out there. Well, and this guy got wins on the edge, right? I mean, this guy was beating offensive tackles in college off the edge. He was beating people inside. He had eight and a half sacks. All that's really nice. And he had a lot of splash plays in the running game. So when you're talking about just the positives, like he has game-wrecking plays. Like he he has the ability to make those game-changing plays where he makes two or three dudes, shrugs shrugs them off, gets past them, and makes a play in the backfield and rips down the quarterback violently. Like you do see that. But you also see, you know, certain times where it's patty cake at the line of scrimmage, other times where he's getting blown off the line of scrimmage. But when you're just talking about the positives, David, I mean, unreal quickness for a dude his size, unreal hands for a dude his size. The hands come with power. He at least has a more diverse pass rush set than most defensive tackles do at this point in their career. I think that a lot of that comes from playing on the edge. You know, his hands are definitely a little bit more developed there than you see like 
a Travis Jones or a Jordan Davis where they're just sure. they're either going to bully you or they're not going to win the rep, right? Right. This guy can win the rep with his hands. He can snatch dudes. He can obviously he has a little double swipe move that he likes to go to a lot. So as far as just the positives, like there are some elite traits that he brings to the table for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I think when you have a player like this who you're even comfortable throwing all over the defensive line, you got to lot that versatility and you saw some production everywhere that they decided to put him. And I mean, that that definitely is something. Versatility is a big buzzword in the NFL, but that's yeah, because- and maybe they would use him that way, right? I mean, maybe yeah. they would put him a defense or, you know, the edge position on a third and goal, right? Or in certain yeah. situations, maybe he could bring that versatility, you know, but it's like, you also feel like if you had one spot to focus in on, that would kind of be where he could develop and blossom the most too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just gives you the ability to focus on getting that avenue that you're asking him to do much, much better. And that's definitely – the versatility is one thing. The one thing I did love too is when he was rushing the passer, when, when, he, when, when he was getting after the quarterback, if he didn't get there, he put his hands up. And he and he disrupted the, the quarterback's throwing angles, his throwing lanes, um, his visuals. Um, yeah. And he knocked a couple of those balls down. And like those are those are big plays. And uh, that's I think one thing that we really didn't see a lot and haven't seen a lot from the Chargers defensive lineman is just throwing your hands up. I mean, it's it's one thing that I think you saw you see Chris Jones with the Chiefs do all the time and impact so many different plays, not by getting there, but just by using the things that God gave him, which is yeah. the ability to raise up and, and deflect and disrupt the play. That's definitely something that was very, very good for me. Um, and I love the, the, the jive step, the jab step and the yeah. spin move. He has some very good pass rushing moves. I just don't think he has the best pass rush plan. And I think that's one of the things we talk about with the negatives here is if the first or second move doesn't work for him, that's where the patty cake comes into play, and he kind of is like, I'm, I'm done. I think he just needs to be able to take those pass rush moves that he has and figure out a way to deploy them to where he can get home because the ability is there. Um, I think he needs to improve his leverage as well. I think that's one thing that was very inconsistent for him is when he does play with good leverage, he is a very impactful player. And I, I think strength was one thing that when I was looking around just to try to compare my notes they said this guy had a great anchor. It was very, very strong at the point of attack. I didn't really see that translate as much on tape, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the surprising things I have seen from some people just claiming him a dominant run defender. And I just don't see that, really. Yeah. I mean, as far as like a guy that if he does get locked up, he can get maneuvered even by a single player and double teams will move him out of the way most of the time, at least from the games that I watch. So we're not watching yeah. every single game, but right. of the five, six games I watched, that's one thing that was pretty consistent, you know, if he's playing Kent State or something like that, I mean, he's going to move dudes around no matter what. Uh, but when he's playing against the big boys, I mean, he could get moved. But he also made a lot of splash plays there, too. So it is a give and take. There is a yin and yang to it where, yeah, he is going to potentially get, you know, driven out of the way on certain plays. Right. But there's also plays he's going to get a tackle for loss. Yeah. 25 tackles for loss in 33 games. I mean, that's definitely there. Yeah, exactly. But. The thing is, though, is I just don't know if you can say with certainty, hey, this dude comes in and improves your run defense, right? And not right. And, and, you know, and that's not even necessarily fair for me just because it's like there's no one dude that's going to do that either for the Chargers. Even Jordan Davis isn't going to like he would make it better. It doesn't mean he's going to make it good with someone like DeMarvin Leo. I just don't know if there was the consistency there, if he's going to be able to have that translate to be a very consistent run blocker going up against even bigger dudes, even faster dudes, even stronger dudes 
on a consistent enough basis when I am seeing him get beat by some dudes that are at the college level. So yeah. I think that's the one biggest thing because it's like if you're going defensive tackle, I mean, the first thing you think, yeah, you want to get more pass rush. And I do think he brings more pass rush upside than a lot of defensive tackle prospects. But does he help the run defense? And I just don't know if you can say that for sure. Right. No, yeah. I agree. I agree yeah. 100%. I mean, and that's the one thing. I think that's the one trait that you're looking for out of the defensive line is, yeah, of course, would it be nice to have a complete player that is a dominant pass rusher and a great run stuffer? Of course. But that's, you wouldn't those, be there at 17. Those guys don't grow <laughs> on trees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those guys get taken in the top five or the top 10. Those guys just don't exist. And the one thing you know you need to correct going into this offseason is getting guys that are going to help you against the run. And for me, and, and again for you, this is just not the player that's going to come in right away and and really give you confidence that your run defense is going to be that much better after you bring him in. Yeah, and I mean, for me, if you're talking about the corners that we're, we've been talking, you know, if an Andrew Boot Jr. is there, you know, or even a Trent McDuffie, if a David Ajabo is there, a Jermaine Johnson, like, oh, yeah. I would probably lean towards those other guys in, instead of someone like DeMarvin Leal. Even though in a vacuum, yes, defensive tackle is a huge need, especially with Justin Jones, Limbaugh, Joseph, Christian Covington all being free agents, which plays a big part of it as well. And yeah. also, if you just go towards, you know, where Tom Telesco likes to go in the first round, yes, we did see him obviously take a Jerry Tillery with the 28th pick. 28. But it does it does seem like that kind of does go against his specific motto, right? It's not, oh, yeah. You feel like it pains Tom Telesco to have to take a defensive tackle in the first round. And as far as, like, valued positions – it's not right. It's not one of those no. things unless you're getting, you know, a Jeffrey Simmons type player, you know, or someone like that. And Aaron Donald, you know, you're not going to find that, obviously. But like, yeah, there are guys that change the math a little bit there. I just don't know if DeMarvin Leal is that. But maybe, you know, if I watch some of the other defense tackles as we get further on, maybe it'll give me some more perspective. We'll watch more games on it and we'll see. But for me, there's just other guys that I like better there right now, even while admitting he is a very good, very exciting player. And I could see a team saying, I'm going to bet on those traits. And that's why I think you see him going from the mid first round to even to the second round for some, you know, mock drafts and some top players and top prospect lists. So I, I think there's a lot of good options. And like, I mean, there could be even more that we haven't even talked about yet. And we'll be coming out with wide receivers and running backs. And we'll go through the list of just our favorite players at each position during the draft prospect. But we will continue mock draft Monday and either next Monday or the Monday after that, we'll go into some day two prospects as well, get into some second and third round picks that would make sense for the charge, but having a lot of fun. And I think the one thing we keep realizing is there are going to be good players there when the chargers get to pick at 17 and guys who can come in and help this team immediately. And I think that's, what's exciting. But the other thing is too, David, is there's going to be some more, you know, coaching changes and things like that are going to have to make some adjustments with who the chargers have and what they like and who they want to bring into. So on tomorrow's show, we will talk about that and just, how Brandon Staley's offensive coaching staff is getting, you know, interviewed left and right. And we're going to see some offensive coaches leaving. And we're just going to have to hope that wanting to be around Justin Herbert is going to want to bring even more talented young minds around the Los Angeles Chargers as these offensive coaches start leaving for coordinator jobs and head coaching jobs, potentially. But that'll be for tomorrow's show. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for checking us out and making us your first listen. As always, you can make sure to find us by subscribing to the new Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also following the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure to rate and review if you like the show there as well. We'll be getting into Fan Mail Friday this week again, guys, as well. So you guys can get your questions in at any time during the week by hitting us up at LockdownLAC on Twitter 
or me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports, David Drogmeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD, or calling into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line at 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But that's going to do it for us today. We'll back here with you guys tomorrow talking about all the coaching changes for the Chargers and trying to re- reload the coaching staff. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.